Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. reading this morning. It's going to be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a wonderful chapter that gives us and tells of our blessed hope. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So says the word of God, and we say, Amen. Thank you for bringing us together this morning to declare your glory and to praise your holy name. To the Father, we give thanks for his providential care over all of his children. And to the Son, we give thanks for his perfect obedience and sacrifice. It's by your name that we have salvation. To the Spirit, we give thanks for his work in making us more like Christ. We recognize that we do not deserve any of these blessings. Left on our own, we are miserable creatures deserving the wrath of God and guilty of rebellion. Yet in love, the Father has determined to save us. The Son obediently served as the sacrifice for sin, and the Spirit gave us new life. And our hearts joined together this morning in giving gratitude and submitting to the Lordship of Christ. With one voice, we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Strengthen our hearts for the battle against sin. Grant us endurance and power to grow in our faith. Let us not grow weary in doing good. We pray this in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, what a great God. We're in James chapter 5. Take your Bible and turn to there. We're going to be turning to several different portions of Scripture. So get your fingers nimble and ready. As we're talking about walking down the long road of patience. Before we begin, how many of you would describe yourself as a very patient person? Anyone here? Okay, a few of you. All right, come on, hurry up, raise your hand. Okay, now how many, how many of you would say patience is something that I struggle with? Okay, so all the honest people are now raising their hand. Thank you. All right, very good. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> I am starting to lose my voice. I know that's the prayer request many of you have had for a while. It seems like God is about to answer it midstream here. So if I'm not able to finish, I'll just pass out the notes here. And, or if you can read them in Spanish, uh, you can take them back there. 
But James has been encouraging us to keep the right perspective in mind when making decisions and living out our lives. Scripture encourages you and I to be wise stewards and to plan for our future as we acknowledge the sovereignty and providence of God in all things. James has been warning Jewish believers about observing the role of God by judging people according to their own standards and to be careful in presuming on the providence of God with arrogant boasting of all their achievements and accomplishments. Last week, we saw James turned his attention to non-Christian wealthy people for a moment. And they were not condemned for their wealth, because there's nothing wrong with having wealth, but for, mis- mis- for its misuse for selfish purposes. The problem of sin that James is warning, was warning about is the pursuit of wealth without any regard for God or for others. And that's where we were last week. They were pursuing wealth by cheating workers out of their wage, by living a lifestyle of self-indulgence, taking advantage of the powerless. And we saw that that is not what God has called us to do. Now as we continue here, as we're getting near the end, he's starting to pull things together a little bit. In today's passage, James is writing amidst the background of persecution and suffering and poverty and discrimination and oppression that the Jewish believers faced. As they were waiting for justice and vindication and peace, James commands them to be patient and not to be grump or not do not grumble and to be steadfast. In other words, he's saying, do not give up, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let's read the passage together. I'll read out loud if you'll read silently. James chapter 5, 7 through 11, where he writes, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the form farmer, excuse me, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And as an example of suffering and patient, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And Father, we come before you as the one who is compassionate and merciful, as we just thank you for the opportunity to open up your word and to read and to hear your revealed word to us. Father, what was written to the, the, to the readers of James is just as important as if it was to us this morning. Though 2,000 years may separate us with time and the geographical and all the other things that may come, this word is as true as the day it was written and spoken by the Holy Spirit to the heart and ears of James. And Father, I pray that we would receive it as such, Give us your peace as we read your word and help us to respond with the way that you want us to as your Holy Spirit has free reign. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus, or James's command is simple. Be patient. You heard that. Our parents or other people have told us that. Be patient. And there's something about someone telling us to be patient that just makes us squirm even the more so, does it not? It's hard to be patient. We live in a world of fast food and fast cars and all sorts of things. We want instant, instant everything. We want life to be one fast download and upload. That's all we desire. 
It's very difficult in today's society to be patient, but yet James' command is simple, be patient. As I mentioned just a moment ago in our transition, we must remember the background that James is writing to, to these Jewish believers. These Jews had fled due to the persecution of the church at Jerusalem, and they were dispersed among the Roman Empire. Thinking that they were safe from the persecution in their homeland, they were now experiencing all kinds of suffering, such as poverty, discrimination, oppression, and were themselves guilty of slander, anger, and sins of the tongue in their community. One could only imagine that their spirits were down and their hearts broken, not only because of outside troubles bringing in pressures, but also due to the fact that there was no peace in their only place of refuge, the house of God. We can only imagine the stress and pressure upon these believers. Struggling to live out their faith in a very hostile environment, they were probably tempted to just give up and abandon it all. Finding the cost of following Christ higher than they could ever imagine, they were tempted to deny their Savior and just embrace the world. You know, as the old phrase, when in Rome, do as Rome. They are tired of waiting for justice and the vindication and the peace that they were so looking forward to. You see, you need to remember that they remembered the promise of the angel ten years before. When Jesus was going up to heaven, the angel said, This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same manner as you saw him to go into heaven. And I'm sure after 10 to 15 years when this letter was written, they had grown tired of waiting. Their patience was wearing thin. Have you ever had that type of feeling? Here we are 2,000 years. And we're still waiting for the promise of that angel. Maybe some of you have forgotten. Maybe some of you, it's not even in your mind. To some, it doesn't even matter. But yet, those words do matter. And James is writing them to encourage them, do not give up, but to persevere until the coming of the Lord. This little phrase encourages them in two different ways. One, by affirming that Christ is coming. Do not forget and secondly, by reminding them that when Jesus comes, He will come as a righteous judge. Paul will write later in Romans 12, 19, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. It's a quote from the Old Testament. And the believers should remember that even though 10 years have passed, 10, maybe 15 years had passed, since that saying from the angel. And here they are surrounded by the wicked, that even though the wicked may prosper now, judgment is coming. God will evaluate all. But not only that, they need to be reminded that the righteous themselves will not face the wrath of God, but they will face judgment. And until that day, James uses the familiar scene of a farmer to illustrate the patience that was needed to wait until the coming of Christ. For he writes, say, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He gives them a very a standard picture, especially in an aggregate culture, about being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. All that the farmer can do 
is to prepare the soil and the seed, and then all he does is he waits, does he not? He can do little to affect the outcome of the fruit or the wheat or the corn or whatever he may be growing. He must wait for God to send the rains and to cause the growth. For Scripture tells us that God causes all things to grow. In the same way, until the day when Christ returns, they are to imitate the Father and to patiently wait until He comes. You and I are to be about the Father's business until that day of tilling the soil, planting the seed, and praying for God's return and for God to cause the increase. So the simple command is, be patient, waiting until I come. How long am I going to be patient until I come? Well, when are you coming? I'm coming soon, he continues to say. Well, where are you coming? I'm coming from my Father's throne. How are you coming back? I'm coming through the clouds. And here we find ourselves in the same way. As we look throughout this world, it doesn't seem like justice is being done, is it? If you just turned on the paper or turned on the news this past week, you see many people carrying signs asking for justice. Some asking for vindication. Others asking for peace. We turn on our TVs in the morning to see one of our own journalists beheaded. And we ask, where is God? Why does evil seem to triumph? Why do the wealthy who gain the system continue to prosper? God says, be patient. Wait. For I am returning, and I will come, and I will judge. Well, I want to share with you, patience is not easy, is it? But there's three things to do for you and I as we wait patiently, as they are to do. So I'm going to share with you three things to do while waiting patiently. And we're going to see this in number one. James says that they are to be courageous and steadfast while waiting. Be courageous and steadfast while waiting. Look what he says. He says, establish your hearts. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. He goes on to say, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He reiterates his call to patience, and he adds an exhortation to stand firm, to not give up. See, Scripture has much to say about the believer's call to perseverance and endurance. Paul likens the Christian life to an endurance race. We always think of everything as a sprint. But he calls us to a race of endurance. It's easy to get winded. It's easy to get tired, to get distracted and tempted to take shortcuts and even to give up. But James reminds them. And what they need to be reminded of is that trials, tribulations, and persecutions and sufferings are part of this journey. We saw that in James chapter 1 when he says, count it all what? Joy when you find yourselves in this. When you and I and when they are receiving all this stuff, our patience can wear thin. Maybe our eyes get unfocused. We get distracted. We need to understand that these things accomplish the purposes of God in our lives. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to His purpose. And I recognize that there are some of you that are having and experiencing much more difficult times than I ever have. So I don't want to say that as some type of slogan. And so many times we just give that as a slogan, not realizing that life is very difficult for many of you. And it's when you go through that, whether it's an economic, whether it's an emotional, whether it's a health struggle that you're going through, or even a death in the family, these things have a purpose. And it's very easy to, to, to lose our patience with God as we cry out, God help us, God provide. And it seems like all we hear are crickets. Let me tell you, even in the chirping of the crickets, you hear the voice and workings and grace of an almighty God. Amen? But God is there with us. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58, we read that a little bit earlier in our scripture reading, that you and I must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I like that word abounding. It's not someone who's dredging or trudging through work or just, oh, i got to get this through. No, we're abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Because we know that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Have you ever walked home or walked, gone home after a day of work and felt like you did not accomplish anything? Do you ever put your kids in the bed and go into your own room and just collapse and say, nothing I'm doing is working? feel like such a failure. We're tempted to give up. We're tempted to go a different way. There are many that have done that. There are many that have taken a route that says, I'm just tired. They have no hope. And they end their own lives or they just say, I'm just leaving it all. I'm just going on the grid. I've known several people like that. Giving up everything, family, homes, animals, cars, and just walked out of everything. I mean, just left everything and just walked off. Couldn't do it anymore. I don't know, maybe some of you right now are feeling that way. On the outside, you look pleasant. You're saying all the right words. You're presenting yourself that way. But right now, you're just like, there's just like a thread that's holding you in sanity. And that thread is getting bare and bare. And it feels like it's going to Let me tell you, be patient. Don't give up. Search out, cry out to God. Look for good godly counsel. Go to the Word of God. Pray for the Holy Spirit to re-energize you. You are not alone in this journey. It's the whole purpose of the community of the house of God. You see, this is what the Jewish believers needed to be reminded of. Their work was not in vain. Living out their faith was worth the cost. And let me tell you, the cost of following Christ is very high. But let me tell you, you may not be able to see it now because of the weeds. But let me tell you, that cost is worth it. Amen? And that's why I encourage you to stand up after the services and give you testimony. Because... People here need to see that you paid the cost. You bear the marks. You carry the scars of life. But you say, he's worth it. 
See, I can, I can preach it. The Bible tells it. But I need you to stand up and say, let me tell you, this is true. I've experienced it. I'm banking on it. That's the power of a testimony. Do not be silent. It's an encouragement to you. That's extra, by the way. But you and I need to be reminded of that from time to time. That following Christ is worth the cost. This passage repeats what James had written earlier in James chapter 1. You've got your Bible still to James? Turn to verse chapter 1. Look at verse 12. <clears throat> where he says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive what? The crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James reminds them of Job, the epitome of who patience, of what patience is, who found himself in a cosmic, supernatural bet between God and Satan. But yet through all of that, he refused to allow his suffering and his circumstances to cause him to deny God. And scripture records the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Let me ask, are you doubting? Are you tempted to give in? Are you enduring? Are you patient? If not, I encourage you, seek the Word of God. Embrace the Holy Spirit's power to empower you for the walk. So that we are to be courageous and steadfast while waiting. The second thing that you and I are to do to help us with patience while we're waiting is we're to be content. They're to be content while they're waiting. He says, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, speaking of God. As an example of suffering and patient brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What we're seeing here in this passage is to be patient means not to grumble and allow the pressures and the frustrations to lead us to vent against one another and to cause division. And that what was happening. All the outside pressure was causing those in the house of God to begin to slander one another, to accuse one another, and what we call the sins of the tongue. And all of a sudden, not only was the outside boiling, but it was causing the inside to boil thinking of like a, a pot on a stove filled with water. The fire from the outside is causing the boiling in the inside. And that's what happens in the house of God when we begin to not be patient. As we see that peace is broken. 1 Thessalonians tells us, he says, I urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. Be patient with them all. And there are times when we are in an assembly together in a congregation of any size, whether smaller or larger, that you're going to have these people. People who are going to try your patience. People who are going to push you to a point. But we need to realize that it's that very person that God says, this is an ordained moment. Be Jesus to them. Love them. Care for them, urge them, and, and encourage them, he says. Admonish, encourage, help.
Be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Let me tell you, this is a, this is a great encouragement to we as a church, is that we need to be patient with each and every one. doesn't matter. Sometimes there are going to be people that for some reason that we are hardwired personalities, we are just going to conflict with. And what I'm seeing here is the Bible says that's the very person that you need to embrace, to encourage, to pray for, and to love. What good is it if you love and encourage and be patient with those that are like you? The Bible tells us the world loves those that love them. Try loving those that are the most unloving. That's what God has called us to do. So when we're in here, how you and I are patient with each other is to do the things that God has called us to do. Philippians, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. As the world has gone to hell in a handbasket out there, it's in here that they see that there's people patiently waiting for Christ. It's in here that they will find peace, that they will find justice, that they will find vindication, and they will find hope. If not, then what do they have? So let us as a church be a church that is content while we're patiently waiting for our Lord to return. Let us not be uh, facing discrimination and oppression and envy because someone has more than us or things are not the way it should be. Let it not be Democrat and Republican and Libertarian and, and Tea Party and all that. In here there is only the body of Christ. Amen? And so with that, that will give us the strength. That's why I encourage you, be here on Sunday. Come to Sunday school. Come to the men's and, and women's and the college groups. Why? Because you are out in the world more than you are in the body of Christ. And you need this to give you the strength to go out there. We need it. If not, that influence can distract us and drive us down. We need the body of Christ. James tells him to remember the plight of the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Elijah who faced suffering and persecution in hostile environments. Take your Bibles real quickly. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. You and I need to remember that we are not the only ones that are faced with hostile environments that are not friendly to the things of God. Just this week, I don't know how many of you saw it, but there's one school, I, I can't remember, one class, and I don't want to make one thing out of one class, but it seems like it happens time and time again where a student was got in trouble because someone sneezed and they said, bless you. They didn't say, God bless you, they just said, bless you. The teacher said, listen, we're not going to have any of that God talk in our classroom. We face hostile. I do not love the things of Christ. The Bible says that the mind is hostile to the things of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36. Listen to what he's saying. He's speaking about others, the saints. They suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in half. Speaking of Isaiah, who tradition says was sawed in two places. It was not part of a magic trick gone bad. It was torture. It was persecution. 
They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though committed through their faith, did not receive what was promised. But they were patient, even though they did not receive or see the prophecies they gave, they were patient and endured all of this for the promise of God. Go down to Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 1. He says, Therefore, seeing we were surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. Be patient. That is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? God says you're not alone. Continue to be patient. James may have also remembered the words of Jesus that are recorded in Matthew chapter 5 where he writes, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Recognize that we must be content. It is concerning to me that all the church wants to do is to be loved by the world. What's that old song? I want to be loved by you. I can't even remember it. There's no silly ditty about that. That's all we want. I was watching some church, one of the fastest growing churches of America. It's in Carolina. And I was watching one of their services yesterday. And it's they took a singer named Farrell, but it starts with a PH. Most of you know, he's a hip hop guy, I think. And he has a song called Be Happy. And so here's the worship team. They're all up and they're doing that little cup thing, doing some acapella thing, and then the band comes in, the band comes in, and all of a sudden a bunch of dancers come out, you know, ju you know, juking in a jive. You don't want to see me doing that. Be happy, be happy. And he has no, well, be happy, why? We want to love the world. We want to be like the world. The Bible says, no, be content with the things of God. And that includes suffering, that includes trials and tribulations. Embrace it. Number three, they are to continue to look for the blessed hope while waiting. A couple of phrases stand out in why I brought this account where he says, the coming of the Lord is at hand and the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You see, the phrase for the coming of the Lord is, is at hand is a very important phrase. In last week's message, James had written that the wealthy have laid up treasures in the last days. You might remember as we spoke about that. Meaning that they were living in the last days before Christ comes. There is no other dispensation. There is no other time. This is it. In this passage, James goes further by stating that it is at hand, indicating that it was near, that it was soon, and that an accounting was coming. Reading this, I'm sure that they were tempted to laugh it off or to ignore it. It had been 10 to 15 years 
since Jesus said he would return. But James wants them to understand that Jesus' coming can be at any time. And like an endurance runner who is struggling with that last mile, who is tempted to stop only to get a glimpse of the finish line and is energized to go that final steps. James wants these believers to keep focused on the prize. For you and I are in a deeper thing. It's not been 10, 15 years since the promise of Jesus. It's been 2,000 years. But yet he says, still be patient. And if it was near and soon 2,000 years ago, let me ask you, how much more is it at hand today? For we are not promised today. We're not promised tomorrow. Peter refers to this in 1 Peter when he writes, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Titus tells his readers that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and all worldly lusts. We should live soberly and righteously in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great Lord and great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're to continue to look for that blessed hope. You see, the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand was the message of John the Baptist. It was the message of Jesus Christ. It was the message of the disciples and the apostles. And it's the same message that you and I have and we need to be sharing with people. God is not slack. He is coming. Second Peter tells us that the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come repentance. We see His mercy and His compassion. His delay, His 2,000 years delay, has allowed many to come to Him. It has allowed many to see the mercy and compassion of Christ. But He does say the, door, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and all the works that are done on it will be exposed. He goes on to say, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be, ought to be in, li in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved? He says, but we are waiting for the new heavens and the new earth. He says, and beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found without him spot or blemish or at, uh, and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. We're to be patient because our Lord is patient. His desire is to bring as many as he can into repentance. That's our job. As we're looking for that blessed hope, we are patiently calling others and telling them the kingdom of God is at hand. It is near. It is soon. One day there will be no day of return. There's no backing out. We must be faithful. Instead of being discouraged and tempted to give up, Scripture calls us to patiently wait until His coming. Though life may be difficult and the journey long, we do have a hope. And that hope is that one day the righteous king will return 
and set all things right. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Revelation? I'm near the end here. Revelation 19. This is a portion of Scripture that you want to underline. You may want to memorize. It gives us the strength to continue on. Revelation, last book in the Bible. Chapter 19, look at verse 11. John is writing and he sees this vision. He says, Then I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. Then when setting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Verse 13, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. James' command is simple. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. And we're to be patient by being endurant, by being courageous and steadfast. Don't give up. We're to wait patiently by continuing to look for the blessed hope and to continue to be content in our lives. For we know that the God who evaluates all things will come in righteousness and judgment. Be patient. The coming of the Lord is at hand. There's a song by Ben Shive called Rise Up. I'd like to share that with you. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it. He says, every stone that makes you stumble and cuts you when you fall, every serpent here that strikes your heel to curse you when you crawl, the king of love will one day will crush them all. And every sad seduction and every clever lie, every word that woos and wounds the pilgrims, children of the sky, The king of love will break them by and by, and you will rise up in the end. You will rise up in the end. I know the night is cruel, but the day is coming soon, and you will rise up in the end. If the thief had come to plunder when the children were alone, if he ravaged every daughter and murdered every son, would not their father see this? Would not his anger burn? And would he not repay the tyrant? In the day of his return. Oh, wait, oh, wait, the day of his return. Because he will rise up in the end. He will rise up in the end. I know you need a Savior. He is patient in his anger, and he will rise up in the end. And when the stars come crashing to the sea, and the high and mighty fall down on their knees, when you see the sun descending in the sky, and the chains of death will fall around your feet, You will rise up in the end. You will rise up in the end. Father, may your words give us strength. Lord, I pray that your spirit would give us a supernatural dose of patience. Until that day that you come, Lord, let us be unmovable. Let us always be abounding in your work, knowing, Lord, that it's never in vain. May we wait patiently in the way that you've called us to do, advancing your kingdom, not our own. We 
pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.